Hello and welcome to episode 19 of Heather's podcast. Lockdown continues. Um, although Bojo is due to speak on Sunday, um, I'm talking today on Wednesday, I had to think about that, Wednesday the 6th of May, um, Boris Johnson is due to speak um, to the nation on Sunday, um, so it's widely anticipated that he will be announcing um, some relaxation on some of the lockdown measures, um, and that potentially is the start of the easing of lockdown. So there might not be many more lockdown edition podcasts left. Um, it might be post-lockdown podcasts um, from next week, but we shall see. In the meantime, um, today I want to talk about stress and anxiety right now. Um, it would always be a good topic for a podcast, but I think right now especially um, it's quite a relevant topic um, and I think there's probably not many people that haven't felt some stress, some worry, some anxiety to varying degrees over the last few months. Um, I wrote a blog before lockdown, so when coronavirus panic was starting to build and we were kind of in the stockpiling toilet roll stage, but no really one really knew why, because, you know, what was going to happen... Um, and lockdown wasn't necessarily an inevitability in the UK at that point. Um, it was still very much, I think, surreal. Um, and in that blog, I kind of said that there was a lot of talk, um, I think especially on social media at the time, that ironically, people who genuinely suffer, genuinely, no, generally suffer from anxiety, um, normally as in not specifically with regards to this sort of event um we're actually finding it easier to deal with this than people who don't normally suffer from anxiety um and i mean uh, it was from people i spoke to it was kind of i wouldn't say 50 50 it was maybe actually weighted in agreement for that but it was quite a close run thing and some people who normally do suffer from anxiety um, and sort of associated anxiety disorders were still very, very anxious about the whole coronavirus thing. And other people were kind of a lot more pragmatic about it. And I was probably in the more pragmatic um, camp. There were certain things that I was really, really anxious about um, and other things that I very much wasn't as worried about. Um, I think the thing I was most worried about was how how lockdown would be living by myself. Um, and so I was really, really, really not looking forward to not being able to go to work. Because um, I thought, you know what, even if everything else stops, if I can still go into work, you kind of have that routine, you still see people. Um, so that was the bit I think I was sort of like most concerned about and most anxious about. Um but I think also equally being worried about that and being anxious about that beforehand almost mentally prepared me for it and meant that when it happened, it wasn't as bad as I was anticipating. Um, and I've probably handled lockdown better than I anticipated. Um, I've like had moments and wobbles and, you know, periods of really really worrying about things um but I haven't like broken down you know like I'm not I'm not hearing a puddle of goo you know like I'm not dissolved into a puddle of goo um so I think potentially suffering from anxiety myself for a long time maybe has helped in this in like I say I, th I think when you suffer from anxiety, you, you overthink things and you kind of run through every possible scenario in your head and you kind of like worst case scenario prep for like every possible scenario, which is absolutely exhausting, um, but has probably 
in this case made it slightly easier to then adapt to the changes because I'd kind of already worked them through in my head um so that was so so I think anxiety is one of them things that if you if you generally suffer from it you probably had periods where you've definitely felt it over the last six seven weeks maybe you've coped with it because or coped with it better than people would have expected you to because you are used to coping with anxiety I mean one thing I would say is if if you always if you already have anxiety if you have an underlying kind of disorder you potentially know ways of coping with it so you know there are strategies you can use to help you overcome periods of anxiety and so if you already have those tools at your disposal you're potentially in a better position at the moment to deal with it um but even if you've never suffered from anxiety at all i i i can imagine there's been periods over this where you time where you've worried um and whether you've identified it as anxiety as opposed to stress or worry I suppose is a personal thing how do you define between them I you know I mean there is probably a medical definition like where you cross the line between worrying about something as in normal worry and genuine anxiety about something um I suppose physically um anxiety is a more physical thing than worry I would say as in when you're anxious you're not just it isn't just the worry about something that might happen or will happen or could happen um it manifests itself as a very physical thing anxiety in that you can feel hot flushes you can feel shivers you can feel headaches you can feel um changes to your breathing to your heart rate you can physically feel ill um you know, I mean, I wonder how many people who have felt like they've had temperatures over the last few weeks, a completely random thought, um, and then maybe suspected they had COVID-19, were actually very, very anxious about the whole situation. Because um, I know one thing I feel when I'm, when I'm really, really anxious, um, and it's like sustained anxiety, it's not just like short-term anxiety is it can feel like I get very, 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 very hot, but equally can be shivering. Um, And I mean, that's also a symptom of having temperature. So, um, interesting thought. Um, So, I kind of, I suppose what I'm trying to get at is it's, it's really normal, I think, at the moment, if you felt some form of stress and anxiety and worry. Um, But whether or not you're used to having those feelings before this or it's completely new to you, it it doesn't really change the fact that when you do get into those periods where that sort of like little flick switches in your head and you start feeling really anxious um, or stressed... It doesn't really help knowing that lots of people probably feel like that. And if you've if you've sort of like said to somebody over the last few weeks, oh, like I'm really worried or I'm really nervous or I'm really stressed, and you've had the saying, oh well, you know, like everybody probably is at the moment, thrown back at you, um, you'll probably think, yeah, thanks, that helps me a great deal and I mean I do you know what I have probably said it to someone like I'll hold my hands up it's kind of one of those universal um universal things that you kind of say like a a like a an automatic response that you kind of go oh you know but you know like don't worry because it's probably not and you mean like it's normal it's normal to be worried at the moment and you know like it's not you specifically everyone's worried so you know you don't need to be worried because everyone's worried and it's meant to make the person feel better but it doesn't it's that kind of do you know when do you know when you've been really really stressed about something and someone's told you to chill out and never in the course of history has telling somebody who's stressed about something to chill out actually chilled them out like it's just like 
a red rag to a bull, isn't it? Like, do you know what I mean? There are sometimes, there are them kind of, there are some stock phrases in human nature that are designed, when we say them, we, we're saying them to try and calm someone down and they just trigger the person when they're stressed or upset or annoyed to make it worse. So it doesn't help knowing that everybody's stressed or everybody's anxious at certain points. Um, And it always kind of feels, I think, like at the time you're really worried or really down or having a day where this lockdown is just not, not working for you, that everybody else on social media seems to be having the time of their life. And they're probably not. It's kind of one of them, I think, a a thing in our mind where we kind of, we look, we only see certain things. So when we're having a really bad day, we probably only see people that are having really good days. And we probably kind of skim over the people that aren't. Um, But it all kind of like adds up and makes you not feel great about yourself. So we're kind of wanting to do this podcast today Yes, to say, look, it's normal. And actually, probably everybody, I just don't believe there's anybody who hasn't had at least a teeny, 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 teeny moment where they've just, you know, freaked the fuck out about this. Um, But I also kind of wanted to talk about, kind of, I also kind of wanted to talk about um, some of the things that I think are useful to help kind of make you feel better and calm you down a little bit. Um, and like I say, I've, I've probably, I've probably already always been quite anxious. Um, but I definitely, I had depression probably around about 2015. Um, I was diagnosed with depression and it probably started out as anxiety that moved into depression um, and then there was a while for probably a year or so where the depression was worse than the anxiety. Um, and then probably since then, the depression's more under control. The anxiety is definitely the thing that affects me more. Um, and I always say to people, it's one of those things. Um, you can learn to control it and you can have, I think you can have depression and anxiety under control and you can have it under control for years and years and years and years. Um, but it's one of them things that can always come back. Um, so over time and it can come back, it can come back like really hard and for long periods, it can come back really hard, but for really short periods and it can come back like not, not so hard. Um, but kind of, you know, like you be aware of it. Um, and so over time, I think you can successfully, develop ways of recognizing what's happening and kind of taking measures to help yourself deal with it um so while I'm not a medical practitioner I'm not a psychiatrist I'm talking from experience so these are kind of things that I would say have helped me personally and that I find useful um so they don't have any medical grounding but they kind of have personal experience um testimonials to them if you like so the first thing is I think at the moment especially is to accept that it is okay to feel like things are rubbish when you do feel like it like I know there's always this um kind of especially on social media, movement to be positive um, and to look for the positive and be grateful. And they're very, very valid things. Um, And I'm going to talk about them later in the podcast. Um, So I'm not saying that they're not useful things to do. Um, But you also don't want to make yourself feel guilty for having those feelings. Um, And, you know, like, it's kind of why I've always been against the kind of positive vibes only saying that gets thrown around on social media a lot because it makes people who are not necessarily feeling great 
a lot less likely to feel able to reach out to people and say, actually, I'm not feeling massively positive today. Um, it is true. You don't want to kind of, if you're having a down day, you don't want to kind of unpack and live there, um, which is another sort of like stock phrase. But it's okay to acknowledge the feelings and accept that's how you feel today um, and give yourself time to actually feel it. Um, because trying to ignore it and trying to push it to one side and trying to say, um, no, 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 I'm only going to feel positive, doesn't give you any chance to process the feelings or acknowledge the feelings um, and probably isn't going to help them leave. Um, So... My first thing would be accept it is okay to feel stressed, to feel anxious, especially right now. I mean, like I say, while it's not helpful when people say, oh, you know, like everybody's probably feeling like this now. You're all in the same boat. But it's not helpful, but it is it is true. Um, and obviously people are suffering to different degrees and people will have been affected by this to different degrees. But everybody has I don't think there's anybody in the world who hasn't been affected by it in some way and so there probably isn't anyone who hasn't felt some degree um of anxiety so it 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 is okay to accept that you're having some feelings like that um and acknowledge them um the second thing I can advise you to do is to talk to someone um and whether that be by message by phone by voice note um, someone you know well, someone you don't know so well, um, it that that doesn't matter. Um, the just talking about it can be really helpful. Um, and some people, some people find it easier to talk to people they know well that they're close to. Um, some people don't. Some people find that really hard. And actually, it's easier to talk to someone who you really don't know that well, or even a stranger. Um, some people find it easier to write it down. Some people find it easier to say it. But actually just getting it off your chest and sort of like saying the things you're worried about out loud can reduce the impact they have. Like when you internalise something in your head and go over and over and over it, it kind of snowballs. As soon as you say something out loud, it very often numbs the power of it a bit in terms of how worrying it feels. Um, and when you say that you're worried about something and the other person, it can go two ways. The other person can come back and sort of say things that kind of mitigate the worry that can help. And sometimes even just hearing that somebody else is worried about the same thing can also help because it stops it being that worry just in your head. And you can acknowledge it's a worry that people are aware of and if it's a worry people are aware of the chances are there's going to be things put in place to help mitigate it and therefore again it becomes less of a worry so the talking to someone however you find it easier to do so can be a really good way of just relieving the pressure it's almost like um if you think about like a, I was going to say a tube, but you know, like if you think about a tube that's got a lot of pressure, a lot of air building up in it and the top's about to blow. And if you just suddenly lift the top and all the pressure just releases and it's fine. And um, it's like preventing that explosion. Um, the third um, way I can suggest is writing it down. Um, writing it down is really good when it's Maybe it's stress and anxiety that you are feeling internally that you wouldn't want to express to the people where it would be most helpful to express it. So maybe your anxiety at the moment is actually not generalised around um, the whole situation. Maybe it's in relation to a specific person or a specific group of people. And so maybe actually you're reluctant to express it um, because maybe the people you would express it to are the people that it relates to. Or, you know, if you're worried about the family finances, maybe you don't want to discuss that 
with your family, I mean, I would actually say that you probably should, generally. That would probably be helpful. But maybe you're not ready to do that. Writing it down, even if you know no one's ever going to see it, can help. I think it was, I'm sure someone told me this, um, Abraham Lincoln, they found out when, they found out he used to do this. So when he was, after he was um, assassinated, they opened his desk drawers and he'd written all of these letters sort of moaning about people and all these letters to people where he was like really critical and he was really like you know you did this and you did this and I'm really annoyed about this but he never sent them but the act of writing it down kind of releases the emotions um and makes you feel better because it's not necessarily saying it to the person you want to say it to that would make you feel better it's just getting it out of your head so again it kind of goes back to what I said on point two that releasing a pressure valve so if you don't want to talk to someone writing it down and just getting it out of your head can be really effective um on that basis an idea I really like um, and works really well for me is having like a worry hour or a worry half an hour every day so especially at the moment I think it's very easy if you've like put the telly on and that you kind of can't get away with it I mean that coronavirus ad is on like every ad break you can't switch off from it and so it can be very easy to let concerns kind of tick over in your head constantly and you can be kind of constantly thinking about something so if you can um If you can have kind of like a half an hour, an hour set aside each day where you let yourself worry, that can be really effective for reducing the worry for the rest of the day. So you make it a rule that if something pops into your head at any other time during the day that isn't that specific time period where you've said you're going to let yourself worry, you jot it down. So you can jot it down in the notes in your phone, you can jot it down on a piece of paper, and then you put it aside. And then when you get to that allotted time, you sit down and you can look at your notes and you can like think about anything else that's worrying you. And maybe that's the time where, you know, you're worried about money at the moment. So you sit and you think about your finances and you look at like what's going out versus what's coming in and you do that planning. Um, or, you know, maybe that's the time where, you know, I was worried about this or that to do with coronavirus so I'm going to google it and see what I can find and maybe read some newspaper articles or maybe in general it's just the reading of the news completely worries you and stresses you out so you wait till that hour and you read like today's updates um but then when that time's done you stop again and then anything else that comes into your head gets written down again for the next day's worry hour and It's a mental thing entirely, but I find that if I know I've got that specific time where I can think about certain things, if it pops into my head at any other time and I can jot it down, I can let it leave my head a lot easier because I know I've given myself permission to think about it later. So it goes out of my head a lot easier, as in it pops in and pops out a lot easier because... I know that I've jotted it down to think about later. So rather than letting it take out anxiety take over your whole day, you're still gonna feel you're still sort of feeling the anxiety, you're feeling the stress and the worry, but you're trying to limit the amount of time where you focus on it. Um and I find that can work quite effectively. I don't know if it's a healthy coping strategy, but it can work really um successfully and you might not need to like have like a half an hour an hour every day but it's kind of just that mental thing of blocking it off and like giving yourself that opportunity so idea number five kind of I suppose also comes into that um kind of topic and it's just switching off the news um I'll be honest like especially in the build-up to lockdown Um, partly because as part of my job I needed to monitor the daily updates Um, I was like watching them every day and I was like checking the government website every day 
So it's very, very much in your head. It's in your face. Um, so now I'm just kind of like not watching or reading the news. Um, like I only found out Boris was talking on Sunday because my boss told me. Um, I've not watched the daily updates for a couple of weeks now because it wasn't helping me. Like not much changes really. Um, and you know, seeing like numbers with death rates and seeing and having people ask the same questions about stuff over and over again, I I kind of just, it, it wasn't helping my state of mind. So, so now I'm a lot more like, Right, okay. I don't I don't really need to ne- watch the news. If something like really drastic happens, I'm let's face it, I'm going to hear about it. Um so so kind of switching off can can be really beneficial, um especially if you're feeling anxious and stressed, even if you just switch off for that period of time. Um and that can also um link out to social media um to zoom calls and all of that stuff um i think because everyone's trying to keep in touch um there's definitely more um interaction and engagement on social media which is really nice but can equally be very overwhelming and i mean i know a few people have said that they've almost felt overwhelmed by how much social interaction there's been on their phone and like i'll say i've probably interacted with more people like in lockdown when I've not seen anyone physically than I normally would. And I've probably got a better social life than I normally would. Um, which is great. And I and I like and I think I've done really well for it and I feel good for it. But it can at times feel a little bit overwhelming. Like you look at your phone and there's that many more notifications. Um so if it does get too much, then pulling back is a valid way of coping with that. If it doesn't get too much, that's okay. Like, you don't have to feel overwhelmed by it. Like, I will say I've definitely at times been like, wow, God, like, my phone's going a lot more. It hasn't hasn't really negatively affected me. Um, but if it did, it's okay to step back. Um, but switching off, switching off the thing that is causing you anxiety, be that the news, be that social um platforms is okay you can do that um so that is one two three four five that's number five number six is also kind of social media related and i did kind of touch on it when i was talking at the start in except that social media is kind of generally people's best bits like you go on to sort of show off the bits that you're happy about like you don't tend to just do a candid like look at me picture when you're not in a great mood in a great place so if you're not feeling great and you look on social media and it's like everybody else seems actually to be like having like a blast during lockdown bear in mind it is kind of a best bits rule generally so it's okay if you do want to come off and if you do want to not interact quite so much because to be fair let's face it even when we put on the sort of more honest posts and say like oh like I'm, I've not been feeling great today I've not been feeling great this week you know I'm struggling with this I'm struggling with that I would actually hazard a guess that those posts even though they are honest they're not best um best moments they're not highlight real posts They've probably been very carefully worded, very thought about, like, and so they're still probably presenting, whilst there may be a more honest reflection of how someone's feeling during lockdown, it's still a presentation of someone's feelings. I mean, I'm a history student, like I did history 
um, for my master's degree. So I was kind of taught when you when you look at a source, so when you're writing about something that's happened in the past and you use evidence, um, obviously, to, to write about it, um, and you could use all kinds of sources. So you could use newspaper articles, you could use diaries, you could use personal testimony. Um, you always have to remember that they were they were written by someone for a specific audience with a specific purpose in mind. Um, and so even things like diaries, like a historian would say, even something like a diary, you, you couldn't necessarily take it at absolute face value that that's what that person was feeling at the time because you don't know how they were maybe perceiving what might happen to that diary you know like if it's a politician's diary do they expect it to be published one day um so therefore would they present things in a slightly different way um if it was somebody you know who maybe never expected their diary to be found or published potentially it's a different um a different way of interpreting it and a different way of maybe establishing how honest those feelings are down there if it was like a personal testimony you know like um you know maybe a police interview again how someone presents something to the police you could look back at it and go well you know like how they explained how that happened or what happened or why it happened is obviously for a very specific um audience and with a very specific purpose so much like that um you know social media posts even the very honest ones where people go actually you know what everything's not okay and I'm not feeling great and not they're still designed to be presented to an audience for a specific reason and even if that reason is to say do you know what it's okay to not feel okay because I don't feel okay they've still probably still been worded very carefully and thought about um and therefore how you react to them and if you you know if you look at someone's post who's saying I don't feel okay and that still doesn't help your anxiety or maybe makes you feel even more anxious again that's not necessarily a reflection on you because how you react to somebody else's words and how they meant the words to come across compared to how you maybe reacted to them or what they were trying to present at that time. All of those things kind of like mishmash together to kind of mean that no one person ever interprets what someone else said in the same way. And how you react to something isn't always going to be how the person intended you to react to it or what the person hoped you would get out of it. Um, It's really, you know, like, our consumption of social media is really complicated. So if social media is making you feel bad at any particular point, that's not on you, it's not on social media either. I think it's like a normal thing, that especially when you're feeling not great, how you react to social media can be not great and you can feel like you want to have that shut down so if you do it's fine it's okay to let yourself do that so kind of verges into the last point I suppose all of these points kind of merge in together so I've done one two three four five six number seven I'm having to count because I put them in a higgly piggledy order um, and then I'm trying to talk about them in a more logical order um Knowing that it will pass and it's so fucking annoying again when someone says this to you when you're stressed. It's the same as when you're depressed and someone says this. Just know it will pass. It's not going to be forever. It's annoying, but it is true. Um, And it's one of them things that, do you know, if someone says it to you at the time when you're feeling really anxious... It's hard, it's hard to not want to punch them. 
Um, but it is true that the feelings, however you're feeling, you won't feel like that all the time. I mean, it's the same as when you feel really happy, you know, like you're not going to feel really happy forever and ever and ever and never have another drop. Um, but I think we kind of accept that. Like when you feel really, really good and you feel really, really happy, you you kind of logically know that that doesn't mean for the rest of your life you're always going to feel like that. Like you know emotions go up and down. It's a lot harder to remember the same thing when you're feeling low. Um, it's a lot harder to see how you can climb out of it than it is to know that you can fall down from a peak. Um, but it is kind of one of those things that if you can tell yourself when you feel really bad that it will pass, um, then that can help just pull it back a little bit. Um, and I mean, I'm not saying like knowing it will pass makes it sound like it's something that you have absolutely no control over. And to a certain degree, you don't. Because I think, I, I, because, you know, your hormones and your brain and how your brain works isn't always something that you can completely control. But there are certainly things you can do, like I've spoken about and like I'm going to continue talking about, where you can work to change your mood. Um, and it is work. Like, getting out of depression, depression doesn't just pass. Um you know, you actually physically have to do things to climb out of a of depression. Um, so I'm not saying it's something that you have no control over that will sort of ebb and flow and therefore pass and you just have to wait. There are certainly things you can do to help it pass quicker, to help yourself feel better quicker. But when you're in that moment having that knowledge that it will pass can help if you can tell it to yourself. Um, it doesn't often help if other people tell you. It's kind of something you've got to tell yourself. Um, but again, that's probably something that comes with, a, I say experience, but the longer you live with something like depression or anxiety, the more times you, the more times you know that you've been through a bad patch and got out of a bad patch the easier it is during a bad patch to tell yourself that you can sit it out because it will pass because it has passed numerous times before the first few times you ever feel really anxious really stressed it's probably hard to tell yourself that but knowing that it will pass can help number eight Go to the opposite end because I focus very much at the moment, I suppose, on dealing with the negatives. So, this one is about looking for the positives, um, and I'm going to talk about gratefulness. Um, and it's a really, really hard, hard one to get your head around um, when you're not feeling great. Um, it's difficult to feel grateful when you feel truly shit, and it's a bit like brain training. So it's a bit like even when you're feeling rubbish, looking for the tiny little things that are not rubbish to the things that you're grateful for and trying to teach yourself that even if the things that are not rubbish about are rubbish, the things that you're grateful about are the most small, small things that they're still there. So a very well-known um, technique, a, very, a widely used technique, is the idea of practising gratefulness um, in the morning and in the evening. So you get up and one of the first things you do in the morning is sit down and it helps if you write it down physically. Write down three things that you're grateful for. And like I say, they can be the most minute, boring things in the world. It's sunny today. It's not raining. Um... I had a good night's sleep, my family. They can be anything from abstract things to very specific things. Um, I'm looking forward to breakfast. Like, whatever you're grateful for. doesn't matter. Um, it's just you 
making your brain think about the things that are positive. And if you can also write down one thing that you will do that day that you're looking forward to or that's going to make it a good day. And again, it could be something really, really mundane. It could be something really, really specific. Um, It doesn't have to be huge. And then at the end of the day, try and write down two or three things that went well or you're pleased about. And again, they don't have to be really big things. It could be I went for a walk. I exercised today. Dinner was really nice. I spoke to someone on the phone. They can be really seemingly insignificant things, but they're just positive things in your day. Um, and if you can also write down one person that you complimented, um, that's also another good thing to get into the habit of doing. And it, and it does, over time, and at first it will feel really hard, but over time, it does start to help you retrain your brain into looking for the positives, even in shit situations. So it kind of it kind of forces you to look on the bright side, even just for a few seconds. So even if you wake up and you're in a shocking, shocking mood, but for, for two minutes while you're writing down those two or three things you're grateful for, you force your brain into a more positive place. And even if it goes straight back to feeling shit, you've done that. And then in the evening, the same thing. And over time, it becomes easier to look for the positives in the morning. And what you might find is over time, your brain starts to do it instinctively more often. Rather than just at those specific times. Especially if you're thinking, like, tonight I'm going to write down someone I complimented. So you're more likely to get into the habit during the day of complimenting people because you know in the evening you're going to try and think of someone you've complimented and write it down. And the more you do that, the more positive you feel because you start being more appreciative of the people around you and looking for the good in people. And it's kind of like in those two little two, three minute blocks of forcing yourself to look for the more positives. Across the day, it becomes more of a habit to start doing the same. And it might start off for the first few weeks, days, however long, of being something that's quite hard to do and actually quite sort of like almost seemingly out of kilter with the rest of your mood but if you do it consistently it can kind of have this just kind of like trickle effect where it starts to improve how you feel about things in general um and it it becomes over time an almost um instinctive thing to kind of if you have a negative thought go oh well at least um it's a very british thing that when you think about it you know where we go like oh my god it's rained for 40 days at least my flowers are gonna get a drink um but it's that kind of it's that kind of idea where when bad things come into your head if your brain can kind of do that but on the bright side kind of thing it can help control anxiety a little bit um and stress, it works really well with stress. Um, so gratefulness is a good technique to try and get into the habit of. And it's almost very CBT based, in my opinion. Um, if you've ever had CBT therapy, one of the things that it kind of, for me, one of the things I remember you doing was looking at scenarios and sort of acknowledging what your initial response to a scenario might would be but then trying to flip it so like if if somebody walked past you in the street that you knew and blanked you your initial response might be oh my god like what have I done I've upset them 
they hate me. Why do they hate me? What have I done? I must have done something. And it kind of, CBT kind of teaches you to flip it and go, well, hang on a minute. Logically, I know I have not done anything. So they can't be upset with me because there's nothing for me to be um, upset about with me. So it must be something else. What else could it be? Well, it could have been they didn't see me. So they've probably not seen me. Or it could have been that actually they're in a really bad mood with about something else, nothing to do with me. But that's why they've, they've just stormed past because they're not in the mood to talk, but it's nothing to do with me. So CBT kind of, well, how I understood it, I might be incredibly wrong there, teaches you to always look at the other side of an argument. Again, it's a lot like being a history student where, you know, when you debate a topic, you have to debate both sides. And even if you kind of come on one side, you have to understand the other side of the argument. So if your brain can start to do that and start to flip things, um, it can help you not necessarily immediately feel better when you're worried, when you're stressed, when you're anxious about things, but over time it can help you. And not necessarily when you're in the pit of a sort of depressive or episode or in the pit of an anxiety attack. Um, but as you start to come out of it, it can help you at that point. I always find it very hard to do when I'm feeling bad, like really bad. But as I start to feel a bit better, it's a good tool to kind of push me on. Um, and then the final thing that I wanted to talk about, and I think it's number nine, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Yes, number nine is, um, if I'd have planned this better, I'd have had 10, wouldn't I? But I haven't, and I'm not going to worry about that because um, I'm not feeling particularly anxious at the moment. But number nine is movement. Um, and especially outdoors movement. Um, I'm not saying you need to have like the hardest exercise routine in the world. Um, but doing some form of movement can really, really help with anxiety and stress. Um, it's probably not a coincidence that if you talk to fitness professionals, um, an awful lot of them will say that they got into the profession and they started exercising as a way of dealing with some form of mental health issue, um, depression, anxiety. Um, movement is so, so beneficial to the mood um, and it can be a really good stress reliever. Um, it can be a really good break from feelings of anxiety it generally gives you a bit of a feel good boost hormone wise and um, so it doesn't have to be really really strenuous I'm not suggesting you know you like sign up for some you know hardcore hit course but some movement can help and especially outdoors movement so even if you don't fancy going for a run a walk a walk is really good um because fresh air, fresh air is another thing combined with movement that just does wonders for your mood. Um, so that's the only one that I suppose I've mentioned that is not mindset orientated. Um, I suppose I could also mention food. So if I wanted to put a 10th one in, um, you know, food can also have an effect on your mood. I think that's almost another podcast in itself, though. So I don't want to go into detail with that. Um, but on a really simple level, just some kind of movement um, can definitely combat sort of those feelings at the moment. So um, I'm going to wrap it up because I'm coming close to 50 minutes. Um but as I said at the start, I just I just think that sort of stress, anxiety, worry, nerves, um, concern for so many various reasons is something that I just don't believe anyone in the UK hasn't felt right now. Um, and all for different reasons as well. You know, people are some people are worried about jobs and money. Some people are worried about health. Um, other people are worried about loved ones. Um, 
some people are worried about a multiple of those. Um, and it is normal, but it being normal and it being something that's probably affected everyone doesn't help you at the time when you're going through it. Um, but there are strategies, like I've talked about, that could help. And they won't all help you personally. Some of them you might think, what a load of crap. Um, some of them might resonate with you. Um, and it's okay if some of them don't work and some of them do. Um, and some of them will work sometimes and not in other times. Um, but just being aware that there are things out there and strategies out there and it's something that, you know, like, you can't help. You can't help being anxious. Um, you know, just don't be anxious doesn't doesn't help. But there are practical things you can do to help reduce the anxiety and control the anxiety. Um, so that in a nutshell is what I wanted to talk about today thank you very much for listening if you've made it this far I do apologise for how long it was didn't necessarily think it was going to be that long I say that but like I always say this at the end of podcasts and I've always waffled on for far longer than I intended Um, but I kind of hope that that was useful um, in some way in either making you feel a little bit better about how you feel at the moment or giving you some actual practical tips um in dealing with anxiety because it's rubbish like it genuinely is um when you're in it and I kind of think if nothing else um and I don't know if it sounds really selfish but I kind of think it's not necessarily a bad thing that more people have experienced genuine anxiety in the last few weeks um, for understanding of mental health because I kind of think it's one of them things that necessarily until it touches you or someone close to you, you don't necessarily realise what an impact it can have on everyday life. Um, And health and genuine health... um, but I'll just close with at any point um anyone listening to this podcast, if you ever wanted to talk to someone and you didn't know who, my door is always open. Um even if it's just to have a rant, sometimes that helps. Um But thank you very much for listening. I hope whatever you're doing, you have a nice day or evening. um, And hopefully I will speak to you soon. Bye.